as if, you know, I wasn't nervous enough. But I'm going to tell you guys, um, I put my little sermon in my book, my Bible, right? And it's last week's sermon. So, you talk about relying on the Lord here a little bit. We're about to do it. So, here we go. Let's pray. That's a good place to start. Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much just for this opportunity um, to bring your word, Lord. I am painfully aware, Lord, that, that I can't change anybody's heart. I can do nothing apart from you. Lord, as a 16-year-old teenager, had I not asked you into my heart and started my journey, Lord, I don't even want to think where I'd be now. But you came in, you, you picked me up, you turned me around, you placed my feet on solid ground, Lord, and, and here I am. About to bring your word without my notes that I wrote this week. Um, but you know what? You're faithful, Lord. And I'm going to just bring your word the best I can. I pray that you'll open me, Lord, and just fill me and flow through me. And Lord, I pray that you will open eyes today so that they may see. Open ears that they may hear something, Lord, that they've never heard before. Open their mind that they may know, Lord, that they may think of something in a way that they've never thought before. And Lord, but most of all, we open our hearts, Lord, so that we leave here loving you more. And as we go through our week and we do our daily activities, do our jobs, whatever it is that we do, Lord, may that love just flow from us and may the people see, Lord, that there's something different about us. They said they got a light in them that, that I don't have, that I want. May our lights shine so much before men, Lord, that they see our good deeds and glorify not us who are doing the good deeds, but our Father in heaven from whom all blessings flow, Lord. There's no one like you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So guys, today is, uh, actually tomorrow is the one year anniversary since I preached my first sermon right here at Lifeline Community Church. Uh, <laughs> and interestingly enough, you know, I, I, I preached from a verse that I'm going to preach today. Um, and so I just do want to say though that in, in a year, it's It's been amazing, guys, what God has done just for me here and how I've grown. And um, I think about, you know, this Friday we, we went to Tucker's and Anderson and Eight with the leadership team. And, you know, I mean, usually when I'm at leadership, I kind of still, I've always kind of felt a little nervous, you know, a little bit like an outsider, you know. But but as we were sitting there eating, you know, I, I texted those guys and said, you know what, man, I, I just enjoyed just hanging out with y'all and I just enjoy y'all just being my new church family and taking us in and loving us and loving our kids and being supportive. Y'all have been amazing, and I do want to thank y'all for that. It's hard to believe um, that, it's been a, that it's been a year. And so I preached a, a sermon a year ago um, from Psalm 100. You know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness, come before His presence with singing, which we, we just did from the rooftops, we, we proclaim just knowing that the Lord, He is God, it's He that's made us and not we ourselves, we're His people and the sheep of His pasture. And I preached a year ago from Psalm 100 verse 4, and we're going to start there, enter into His gates, 
with thanksgiving. So there's our thanksgiving verse. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And, and, and a year ago I taught from this um, in the sense of it's interesting that there's thanksgiving and there's praise. And there is a difference, and I tried to teach y'all last year that there was a huge difference in Thanksgiving and praise, because Thanksgiving's easy. What benefits me? Of course I'm thankful for you guys. Y'all have done nothing but benefit me and my family. Of course I'm thankful for my job. It pays the bills. It gives me you know, the nice things. And of course I'm thankful for all kinds of things. And any time you ask somebody, what are you thankful for? Something that benefits them. Friends and family, my job, you know, whatever, you know, that is. But praise, when you go back to Genesis, I think it's chapter 22, when you see how praise was born, it was Leah, uh, the sister of Rachel, who was unloved. Uh, she, you know, it's kind of like tricked into being married. Um, and so, you know, you, she had a horrible start in how she got married because her dad basically tricked him to Jacob and to Mary and her. And so it just didn't have a really good start. But the Lord saw that she was unloved and opened her womb. And when he did that, she had a, a, a baby. And, she, and every time she had the baby, I'm going to name this one Reuben because maybe that my husband will see that I can bear him children and, and he will love me. And then she, she names these children like now, now God's seen my affliction and now my husband will love me. She's having babies in order to get her husband to love her. You know, we see that today. Maybe if I get pregnant from my, my boyfriend, maybe he'll love me. But, but you see in Genesis chapter 20, too, but she got tired of that. And she said, you know what? I'm going to name this last baby Judah. And Judah means praise. I'm going to give him praise. Even though my circumstances aren't all that I wish they were. Even though I wish, yes, my husband would look at me how like he looks at my sister. And even though things aren't going like I would choose them to go, you know what I'm going to do this time? I'm going to praise the Lord. So praise, you learn to praise through whatever it is that it's afflicting you, whatever it is that's happening to you, you learn to praise. And I told you the story how that came with me and my wife and miscarriages. Yes, I was angry with God. Yes, I wondered why. Yes, I asked him questions. But just like Peter, when all those people were, were leaving Jesus, Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to go too? And he says, well, where am I going to go? I've come to believe that you're the Son of God and that you have the words of life eternal. So even though I am, maybe I get angry with God sometimes, but where else am I going to go? He is the author of life. He is the author of salvation. He is the way to heaven. He's the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Him. So you learn to give, to give praise through your circumstances. So that was a year ago. But today I want to look at this as more um, of a recipe for worship. Enter into His gates. What gate? With thanksgiving. Enter into his courts. What courts? With praise. Be thankful to him 
and bless His name. Because what this is, is a recipe into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. Here's how you do it, and there's a very specific process to get this done. So I called this sermon, Worship at the Tabernacle. And thank the Lord I've preached this before, about two years ago, because I don't have my notes. So anyway, uh, I wanted to start with a little picture that, you know, me and my little boy are, are you know, we read through the Action Bible. The Action Bible is my, um, is one of my, it's, it's probably my, my favorite thing to read. Because, you know, you got all the cool drawings, you got the picture. I think there was a dude that used to work for like Marvel Comics. And he basically took years of his life to illustrate the, the entire Bible chronologically. And so I use this picture not because it's the best picture of the tabernacle, but because it is uh, just a really good, simplified version. You see the gate, you know, and you actually see them bringing in the sacrifice. There's the gate. Here's the brazen altar. Here's the laver. And then, even though I'm using this in a very sense, general sense, this is the Holy of Holies inside. There's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I could do weeks of sermons on that if I wanted to. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this as enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And then once you pass in, in you're, you're into the courts, the courts with praise, and then give thanks to him and praise his name. So it is a very um, specific process. So, so notice the gate, that there's one very clear way in to this, into, into God's presence, into the courts of God. There's one entrance. There's not entrances on the side, the back, whatever. And here's the verse that talks about the entrance. So go to the next one. And I hope I did this in order. Exodus 27, 16. Uh, For the gate of the court, there shall be a screen 20 cubits long. Now in our um, in our picture, the screen's, you know, taken away because somebody's coming in with the sacrifice. But the gate, there's a screen, 20 cubits long. A cubit, about a foot and a, you know, it's about a foot and a half, you know, the, the distance from here to the tip. So you're talking about 30 feet long, woven out of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen, made by a weaver. It shall have four pillars and four sockets. So go back to the picture just for a second. And, you know, so there, there's a very, it's like 30 feet right here. Uh, and I want to think the dimensions were the width, you know, that whole side was 50 cubits. Uh, so, you know, talking about 75 feet wide. And then the, the length is 100 cubits. So about 150 feet long. And then so there, here's the gate. And it's, it's, it's what we just talked about. Very specifically, you know, woven, very, you know, it's handmade. A lot of effort went into it. And go back to the verse. I do want to point out one thing that this is interesting. There's that one entrance and it's fine woven linen made by a weaver. And when you think about the cross of Christ, you know, when they were, when he was on the cross and then he saw the, the, the soldiers gambling for his garment. And the reason they were gambling, they didn't want to tear it up, is because it was fine woven linen made by a weaver. 
And that's significant because look what John says about Jesus. And this is the words from Jesus. I am the gate. I am the door. So yes, there's this beautiful gate for the tabernacle in the Old Testament, but it points to Him. I'm the door. Jesus, I'm the gate. If anyone enters by me, it's the only entrance to enter where you'll be saved and go in and out and find pasture. He is the gate. So every single thing about this, if you want to start the whole process, it all begins with Him. It all begins with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He's the start. I love reading the Pilgrim's Progress. We just finished the entire book last night with my, with my kids. And anytime somebody offers them advice, you know, I'd say, you know, should they listen to them? No. No. I'm like, why? They didn't enter by the wicked gate. They didn't enter the right way. You only listen to people who have come in the right way. I love that. And I, I said, well, what do you want to read now? And James said, well, can we start back over and start with Christian? I'm like, no, of course we can't do that. Well, yes, yes. That would be awesome. Let's do that. So after you come in to his gates, with what? Thanksgiving. You know, we're going to the house of the Lord. We're going into the presence of God with thanksgiving. I enter in to the gate. And then once you go through the gate, go back to my, uh, my picture. Once you go through the gate, you're not going to go very far and you're going to run in to the brazen altar. You're going to run straight into it. And go ahead, go to my, uh, my next verse. Um, you shall make an altar of acacia wood, five cubits long, five cubits wide. So, you know, you're talking seven and a half feet by seven and a half feet. You got 56 and a quarter square feet of just altar. And it's five cubits wide. It shall be, um, and five cubits wide. The altar shall be square and its height shall be three cubits. So it's about four and a half foot tall. Now, I always think about this because, man, at one time, that altar was brand new. I can imagine, you know, how beautiful it was. You know, it was made out of bronze, you know, it was overlaid in bronze, and it probably was a beautiful altar. But that altar had a purpose. And when you go to Leviticus, you read this altar's purpose. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. I probably should have put verse 3 in there because it says he'll bring his offering through the gate. Okay, very important. You come in through that entrance. No handing this thing off over the, the, the sides or anything. You come through the gate. Very specific opening. You bring that altar to and you're going to bring your, your bull or your offering. And then the priest is going to put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. And it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. You coming into these gates, a sinful person with no telling what in your past, that some things hidden, some things known, you come in through that gate and there's a transfer of these sins. The priest must put his hand 
on that bull and receive, that, that bull receives these sins. And then what do they do to that bull? He kills the bull before the Lord and the priests. Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around the altar that's by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So you imagine the first time that altar got used. And that, I mean, just a bull slaughtered and blood being sprinkled, all kinds of things. Go to the next verse. He shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. This is inside the courts of the Lord. This is where this all takes place. The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. So, I mean, I'm telling you, we got flames, we're burning this stuff. Then the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat, in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water, and the priest shall burn on, on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire. And look at this. A sweet aroma to the Lord. When this animal got consumed... It was pleasing to the Lord to see sins atoned for. I don't think, you know, it was like we hear, we see somebody grilling hamburgers and I'm like, hey man, I gotta go there. I don't think it was like that. But there was something about this sin being atoned for that was pleasing to the Lord. If his offering is of the flocks of the sheep, I love this. What if it's not a bull? What if his offering is of the flocks of the sheep? Or of the goats as a burnt sacrifice. Look at this. He shall bring a male without blemish. All of this points to what we know in New Testament Christianity. Yes, somebody fashioned a cross. You know, probably made out of really nice wood beams and everything. But that cross would become bloody with the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who was skinned almost alive with the whips. And He would take our place. And what would John call Him? The Baptist, as soon as he saw Him, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God sent a male lamb without blemish. It all points to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who would ultimately be the atonement for our sin. And in the New Testament, when you go forward to, uh, to, to Matthew, and this is a verse that, that I think about often, that I don't know how many times I skipped over. Just read, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And when you study that, that's 12 o'clock, noon, to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Why was there darkness on the land? Well, this was the moment when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and He says, let this cup pass from me. Yes, I thought for years, of course he wants to go. He's, he's afraid of being beat. He's afraid of being nailed to the cross. He's afraid, he's afraid, he's afraid. And then I, I'll read a little bit of Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I read how those guys 
boldly and gladly went to be burned at the stake and died singing songs to the Lord in the presence of the Lord. And I think there's no way that these men are tougher or more full of faith than Jesus. So what is this cup that he's so worried about? What is it? And what it is, he had never known sin. His cup was about to be full of sin, but not his own sin. 16-year-old Adam Hopkins sin, because that would be the first time he would be at, at Stamp Creek Landing with his youth pastor, and he would ask the Lord to forgive him and to come into his life and to start working. And my sins were atoned for that day. And countless millions of people who have received the Lord filled his cup. And at 12 o'clock, it got dark. And because the words he would say after that is, My Father, you know, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I don't know how it worked. I don't know if the Father really did completely abandon him or if it's just the way Jesus felt. But I do know that the Father does not look upon sin. And his Son was full of it. Not his own, but, but mine. And yours, if you've asked him to into your heart and to forgive you. That's what he was full of. And, it, and at the end of that ninth hour, he finally says, gives up the ghost. It's finished. It is finished. So back to my picture. We go and we see... You know that we've gone through the gate. The sacrifice has been made. And when you see the sacrifice being made and you see it rightly, it's not just, well, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for our sin. But it's Jesus died on the cross for my sin. He took my sin that I may live when you see it rightly. Now you can enter into his courts with praise. Of course you can. There's the difference. It's easy to be thankful. But when you realize what Jesus has done for you, it does not matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter your circumstances. He paid the price. I can enter into His courts with praise because this life is short. And no matter how much longer I've got, He promises that He'll be with me and He'll never, ever forsake me. Unbelievable. Much easier to enter into His courts with praise. And then you see right here in the middle, almost looks like a cup to us, but that's... The laver. You go through the gate. You bring your sacrifice. You go to the altar. The sacrifice is completed. And then you walk in on in and you come to a laver that is made for your cleaning. Now go to the verse that I put about the laver. He made the laver of bronze. And it's base of bronze. I love this. From the bronze mirrors of the serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. What does it take for a woman at this time 
to give up her mirrors. Now, they were serving women. So they weren't very far removed from Egypt when they served these Egyptian women. So can you imagine if they were the serving women and they were in these rooms of these Egyptian women and they saw those Egyptians with all the money, with all the pleasures, with everything that we think is so wonderful in life, looking in those mirrors fixing their hair, putting on makeup. Those serving women had to be thinking, we're slaves. I wish I could be like these Egyptian women. Something in their hearts probably wanted to be like them. Just like something in our hearts at some point in our lives want to be the rock stars or the American idols or the voice winners or the talent people, whatever. Oh, if I just had that. Oh, if I could just hit the lottery. If I could just get lucky like this person. Oh, everything would be good. Probably the same thing these women had going on. But they gave up their bronze mirrors for the Lord so that He could make this labor. So to be able to lay that down, they had to come to a point where they realized, God, you're better. You're a thousand, you're ten thousand times better than anything that those women had back in Egypt. You're ten thousand times better than anything this world has to offer. God, you're amazing. There's no one like you. It's easy to throw this mirror in there and let them melt it and let us make this, let them make this labor. It's an amazing thing. These women, they, they, they put in these possessions that had to have been valuable to them, that gave them such comfort to think that they might could make it to be like one of these Egyptian women, but they know it's way better to serve at the, and assemble at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And so what was my next verse after that? And so the laver would be something we would use, they would use to clean themselves up. And if it was polished bronze, they could look at themselves and see themselves in the reflection as they clean. So how would they see themselves? Would they see themselves as going through the process and, and, and clean before God as they washed up and as they cleaned? Because for us, here's our labor right here. Here's our labor, the Word of God. This is the mirror that we look at ourselves in and realize how far we have to go to, to meet God, to, to meet God's standards, how far away we are from that. And, you know, the more I get into it, the more I realize, you know, I am so glad I've come so far from where I was, but I realize I've got so much further to go and He's still got so much more work to do in me. So we read this Word and we say this, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties or my thoughts and, and see if there's any wicked way in my heart. And Lord, show me the way everlasting. This is always, this is our labor. This is our test. What's in here, God, that's got to go? What's in here that you don't like? What's in here that's keeping me from your presence because it's got to go? What's my next verse? I love this because Paul, you know, we always look at this, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. But Paul goes off on the most amazing tangent right here because he, he's talking to husbands. But as soon as he mentions the Lord Christ, he just can't get off of it. He says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, 
You know, he like completely leaves the husband thing and thinks about Jesus and like, it's amazing what he did, how he gave himself, how he put himself on that brazen altar. It's amazing that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by what? By the word. This is our labor. This is how we get clean. You know, I talked to a young lady the other day, and, you know, she's like, I hate reading, I hate reading, I hate reading, and I'm never reading a book. I'm like, well, how are you going to learn to follow the Lord? She's like, what are you talking about? I said, we got to read the Bible, don't you? She's like, well, I go to church. That's good enough for that. And, you know, just a young girl, you know, I've thought the same thing. You know, I thought the Bible was boring, but, man, this is, this is it. This is how we clean ourselves. This is our labor. And if you want to go into the Holy of Holies, if you want to go where most people don't go, get into it. Clean yourself up. Talk to Him. Pray. Search me, O God. Know my heart. What's in here? What's keeping me from your presence? I got to know. I got to know, Lord, because all I want is more of you. Next verse. I didn't end right there, did I? Okay. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. Yielded up his spirit. Hold up right there. And, and so once you once the person with the priest is clean with the labor, he can go in to the presence of God. Now they did this crazy stuff, man. I mean, they put all this stuff on him, these bells, and they would tie ropes around their feet. So when he went in there, because, you know, if, if God is holy. And if, you know, the, pre, the priests didn't do this, um, this process correctly and the bell stopped ringing, they knew that person was dead. And they pulled them out by the rope because they dared not approach a holy God. But so, and then you could go into kind of the veil that they made into the presence of the holy, holy of holies, real thick veil. And but when Jesus gave up his spirit, what do you think he did? You know, I kind of imagine him going straight, you know, into hell and grabbing those keys because that's why Jesus died, right? To keep us from going to hell. I thought that for years. But the first thing that happens. After Jesus gives up his spirit, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks split. Why did that happen? Guess what? Now, because I made the perfect sacrifice for them, they have access to the holy of holies, not just the priest anymore who goes through this process, but anybody who comes to me and sees me as the gate, sees me as the sacrifice, sees me and my word as the way that they clean up. Anybody can come in. And the hard part of all of this is ripping the veil of our own hearts through seriously studying this word and seriously examining our lives and seriously seeing what it is in our hearts that's got to go because the more they go, the more the veil of your heart just becomes ripped from top to bottom because it starts here in your head, the head knowledge that Christ is who He said He is. The head knowledge of all that and it just rips and it comes down and it gets into your heart and you begin to feel Him. You begin to get into His presence. Guys, I'm just now scratching the surface of this. This is not only the year anniversary of, of me preaching a sermon here. But back in early November last year, 
I remember, guys, I was just riding uh, up to Asheville, North Carolina, and I was just in the car. The sun started coming up, and I'm telling you, it's like the rays were from heaven. And God just filled my heart, and I experienced His presence like never before. I mean, I, I was there for at least two hours. My sides were hurting. I was out of tears, and it was just the greatest experience of my life. And I'm like, Lord, I've got to have more of that, and I want more of that. Thank you for the flame, Lord, that you've put in my heart, the fire that's inside of me that I can't contain and I can't control, and that's what I want for this church. Not just for me to have a fire in my heart and you come here and you celebrate, oh, that guy's got a fire. Because I've done that. I found the hotshot preachers and I listened to all their podcasts and I completely lived off their anointing and their fire. But finally I listened to one who said, I want you to have the fire. And I bought into the fact that I can have the fire. I can have the presence of God. And what I want you guys to do is buy into the fact that you can have the presence of God. Where we're all flames coming in here and praising the Lord. What does an atmosphere feel like that has that going on? It's got to be amazing. And that's what I want to experience. A group of people who has the fire and the presence of God who have been through this process. Is that the last verse? Did I end with that? Alright, band, y'all can come on out. And guys, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you are. You know, I, I figure everybody in here is probably, you've been to the gate. You know that you know Jesus. Okay, if there's some sort of heaven, it's got everything to do with Him. But have you received the atonement? Have you had your sins transferred to Him? And then Him just, brutally annihilated on that cross as an atonement. Because, you know, Isaiah even says it pleased the Father to see His Son go through that. Why? Because through that were birthed many sons and daughters. And you can be birthed today if you receive Him. Today, you can. Maybe that's the process you need to go through. And maybe you have been saved, but you're just not washing in the Word. You're not getting into this thing like you need to. You're not reading it, understanding it. You're not applying it to your life. You need to go to the laver. And you need to clean up. God, what's keeping me from Your presence? Because all I want, Lord, is more of You. You bring true joy that leads to life. And maybe you're here and you are. Saved, and you do regularly experience the presence of the Lord. What I want you to do is just extend your hands down here and pray for the people who will come. Pray for the people, Lord. Just, just pray for them. Say, Lord, I need you to, to fill them up, fill their lives up, change them, Lord. Help them start walking with you today. And guys, I know I stand up here, I don't have it going on. I got my own stuff I'm dealing with. I got my own search me, oh God, and know my heart. So I'm going to hop down here and I'm going to pray. And when I get up, Coop, if you will, when I finish praying, man, come on down here. I want to pray for you. I've been asking, um, I kind of had this little vision thing of where, you know, where Cooper came to church. It's Cooper Robinson. Uh, how long have I been working on you, man? <laughs> See, okay. 
But he's here. And he's having a lot of problems, a lot of, a lot of little health problems. And I just kind of saw the Lord, you know, that him come and me pray for him and him healed. And, and I don't know, I can't heal anybody. But I do know that the Lord can heal anybody. And I do know that sometimes He does it instantaneously. Sometimes it's a process. I don't know how it's going to work. But man, I'm going to pray for you. And once again, the people that know God, please, man, just extend your hands down here. And let's see God do a miracle in this young man's life. So I'm going to hush. Y'all can start playing. And, uh, and man, if anybody would join me, come on down here at the altar and join me. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to everyone.